0: Forgiveness is something that happens before they apologize, before they return, before they acknowledge, before they need. And I was sitting there with Dr. R.T. Kendall, and he said, do you remember what God's, uh, what Joseph said about God in Genesis 50, 20? He says to his brothers, what you intended for evil, God used for good in the saving of many lives. But in the previous verse, Joseph said to his brothers, am I in the place of God? When you don't forgive, you put yourself in the place of God. And Joseph said, I'm not God. God forgave me, I forgave you. I'm not gonna sit in God's seat. And then R.T. Kendall asked me, he said, uh, he said, the reason that Joseph could rule and reign as the second most powerful in Egypt is because he had forgiven. Because here's the correlation. The more you have suffered and the deeper you forgive, the greater anointing you receive. Well, howdy, welcome to The Real Marriage Podcast. My name is Mark, her name is? Grace. Thanks for joining me, baby. Uh, This is a very special series of episodes called Win Your Marriage War. We had the honor of co-authoring a book called Win Your War, and then we took some of those concepts and applied them, spiritual warfare, in regards to marriage, at a uh, marriage conference and retreat at one of our favorite churches, James River Assembly in Missouri. So. Uh, we've got for you three different episodes that are teaching and then a few that are just Q&A. Those are really, really funny. And at some point you can see that Grace and I still don't know how to resolve conflict. Nonetheless, <laughs> moving right along. And the big idea is this, do you want a heaven down or hell up marriage? That there's two places that culture comes from? Pick carefully, because that's where you're going to be living. And now the time you've all been waiting for. It's podcast time. So what happens is, He forgives you, you know what that is? Heaven down. Because the culture of heaven is the culture of forgiveness. Everybody in heaven is forgiven. Everything in heaven is forgiven. Jesus comes down to bring the kingdom culture of forgiveness, the Holy Spirit comes down to bring the kingdom culture of forgiveness. Let me say, if you want heaven in your marriage, start forgiving one another and others, and others. Just start forgiving people, and literally, the kingdom of God through the Spirit of God will flood into your family. Because here's what I want. I want God's anointing on your marriage and family. How many of you want to live under God's anointing in your marriage and family? Okay, I'll tell you a story. Some years ago, I had the honor of meeting a man who wrote what I consider perhaps the greatest book on forgiveness. It's called Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. And uh, he, uh, he was pastor at Westminster Chapel in London for 25 years, I think it was. I got to go to Nashville and I went to his house and sat with him and his wife. They're adorable, they're in their 80s. They still hold hands, like I wanna be them when I grow up, they're amazing. And he wrote this incredible book on forgiveness and as we were talking, he said something that just literally changed my entire understanding. He said, do you remember the story of Joseph? I said, yes, I do. Well, he was favored by his dad. Favoritism is what causes demonic division in the household, If you have favorites, you have division, you're inviting the demonic. His brothers were then jealous. They threw him in a hole, left him for dead, faked his death. He was then uh, made a slave. He was falsely accused of rape. He was imprisoned. The Joseph, true or false, could have been very, very bitter. A Lot of bitterness, right? If if he would have went into a therapist and said, tell me about your family, That would have been quite a few sessions to unpack that mess. In addition, at the end of his life, Joseph rises up and he is at the right hand of Pharaoh. Now everything God creates Satan counterfeits. Egypt, that nation was a counterfeit of the kingdom of God. The Pharaoh was supposed to be the son of God and he had different priests who were counterfeits of the great high priests. And they worked through demonic powers, which were the counterfeit of God's kingdom powers, everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. So now Joseph is ruling and reigning over the counterfeit kingdom of Egypt. And he is literally at the right hand of the ruler. He's in the Jesus seat. And his brothers come before him during a famine. And all of a sudden he's from the weak position to the strong position. He now can have vengeance against them. Their life is in his hand and he forgives them. And we know that he had already forgiven them years prior because when he sees them, he begins to weep. Forgiveness is something that happens before they apologize, before they return, before they acknowledge, before they need. And I was sitting there with Dr. R.T. Kendall, and he said, do you remember what God's, uh, what Joseph said about God in Genesis 50, 20? He says to his brothers, what you intended for evil, God used for good in the saving of many lives. But in the previous verse, Joseph said to his brothers, am I in the place of God? When you don't forgive, you put yourself in the place of God. And Joseph said, I'm not God. God forgave me, I forgave you. I'm not gonna sit in God's seat. And then R.T. Kendall asked me, he said, uh, he said, the reason that Joseph could rule and reign as the second most powerful in Egypt is because he had forgiven. Because here's the correlation. The more you have suffered and the deeper you forgive, the greater anointing you receive. Joseph had to forgive before he could be anointed and blessed to rule. Some of you, I'm sorry for trouble, trial, and trauma that you have been through, but I'm telling you, it's the greatest opportunity for the unlocking of your anointing, that if you will forgive deeply, God can anoint greatly. And what tends to happen is we want God's anointing, but we don't want to do the forgiving that unleashes and unlocks God's anointing. My wife Grace and I, we had some bitterness in our marriage. We had years where we were frustrated. She was disappointed and I was hurt and we had some issues and problems. We loved the Lord, we knew the Lord, we served the Lord, but our intimacy and our union and God's anointing was not as strong as it could or should have been. We were believers, but we were not walking in the fullness of strength of God's intended anointing. And then we literally had to learn just how to forgive one another like Jesus says from the heart. There was one particular issue that I would turn into an archeologist. I would just constantly dig it up. God would bury it with Jesus and I would go get a shovel and dig it up. And so over and over when, get in, when we would uh, get into a fight, um, I would ultimately bring that issue up. It was like my go-to move. It was the way I could win the argument. I could return to that issue of bitterness and hurt. And what I realized was that I was hurting God's anointing on our relationship, and I was treating my wife in a way that the Lord Jesus never treats me. Therefore, I was not loving my wife as Christ loved the church, because Christ forgives the church, and he doesn't bring up what he has already forgiven. So what I literally had to do for Grace and I, I went out and I bought a shovel, not to bury me, which would have been plan B. Uh, And I, I affixed a note to it with some scriptures, including these saying, I will not dig up what was buried with Jesus. He forgives us and I forgive you. My wife hung that in our bathroom. I see that every day. And it's a reminder that for decades, my wife lived under condemnation and I was literally pulling hell up into our marriage through bitterness and unforgiveness. And some of you will hear this, you'll say, no, I'm not bitter, I'm just hurt. That's just another word for bitterness. Well, I'm not bitter or hurt, I'm just disappointed. Well, congratulations, you have a thesaurus. That's just another word for bitterness. <laughs> okay, let me, hit, uh, let, me hit, uh, let me hit one more issue. Um, pride is hell up, humility is heaven down. Ezekiel 28, two, thus says the Lord God, and God here is speaking of Satan. Your heart is proud and you have said, I am a God and I sit in the seat of the gods. The heart of the demonic is pride. If you just choose pride, you're pulling hell up. This is why Satan has pride parades. See, what the world has parades for, we should have funerals for. What the world is proud of, we're ashamed of. What the, what the world glories in, we grieve over. And see, from the beginning of our education, the goal is always you need to have a high self-esteem and pride. And all that is, is that's pulling hell up. And now you see the fruit in our culture. It's division, it's animosity, it's entitlement, it's rage, it's bitterness, it's hell on earth. And what pride says is I rule over you and you serve me. And Satan is the father of pride. He is the father of pride. And what happens is when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he was kicked out of heaven first and foremost for pride. I don't want to serve God, I want to be served like God. I don't wanna be under God, I wanna be over or alongside of God. I don't wanna do what I'm told, I wanna live independently, I wanna do what I want. He was cast down and he brought pride with him. Now the good news is not only did Satan bring pride down with him, Jesus also brought humility down with him. This is what it says in Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. See, pride is hell up, humility is heaven down. There's only two cultures. Every day in your marriage, you determine which one. Give you a very simple example from my house recently. We got done with dinner, and Grace likes it when somebody does the dishes. I also like it when someone else does the dishes. So here I am. In that moment, it seems very simple. If I'm selfish and I go sit in the chair, as I have since the 80s, so I'm, I'm a work in process, what I'm doing is I'm being proud and I'm saying, yes, Grace or one of the kids needs to serve me. If I get up and do the dishes, I'm taking on the posture of a servant, and now I'm inviting the culture of heaven down into our marriage, instead of pulling the culture of hell up into our family. It's very, see, we tend to think of spiritual warfare as big things, it's a whole bunch of little things. We tend to think of spiritual warfare as like, well, I didn't do witchcraft. Okay, but did you do the dishes? (laughs) Because sometimes the real spiritual test is in the dishes. The servant does the dishes and the proud person doesn't. God anoints and blesses humility in a way that it is not selfishness and pride. Let each of you look not only to his own interests. How many of us struggle with this? Let me say this, you don't know how selfish you are until you get married. And it's not that you became selfish, it's that now there's just a witness. Okay, that's marriage. How many of you got into marriage, and you're like, I thought you were gonna take care of me, and they're like, I was thinking of the same thing. We're both disappointed, welcome to marriage. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Apart from humility in the Holy Spirit, there is no mind of Christ, and there is no Christ-like humility. This is a supernatural grace of God. Who was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a, a servant. He humbled himself. Now circumstances can humiliate you, but only you can humble you. I've said and done some things in my life that have humiliated me, but only I can allow them to humble me. Life can humiliate you, but only you can humble you. That's a decision you've need, you need to make in the spirit. Be becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here's what happens, humility births empathy and humility births service. What Jesus didn't do is stand in heaven and say, I am over you, you serve me. What Jesus did, he literally came down and he got in it with us. True love in any covenantal relationship is getting off your throne and getting down to serve. And for some of us men, that literally means getting out of our chair. Many men set up their home like heaven. They're the king and they have a throne, usually with a lever and a remote (laughs) and a beverage. And they sit there and they rule and reign as king of kings and lord of lords and dolt of dolts. That's where they rule from. And sometimes humility is literally just getting out of your throne to go serve. It's taking out the dishes, or the trash rather, or if you're like me, I guess taking out the dishes. I've always told Grace, I'll be honest with you, I've always told Grace, if anything happens to you, I'm moving into a hotel. That's my plan B. They're gonna clean the room, do my laundry, bring me some food, and make sure I'm alive. I'm gonna need somebody to look after me. And sometimes what it is, it's literally just saying, I am here to serve. Now, here's what happens in a marriage. Um, Usually, either both people are selfish or one one person is selfish and one is a servant. Let me give you the three kinds of marriages. A proud person with a proud person is a brutal marriage. You ever seen two proud people? It's like a head-on collision. Everything's like a hostage negotiation. I win, no, I win. No, you serve, no, you serve. No, you go first, no, you go first, right? The most brutal marriages are two proud people, right? This is why when our kids are little, we need to make sure that we counteract that hell-up culture of pride and independence and autonomy and rebellion and selfishness and self-esteem. I don't know about you, I'm sick of self-esteem. I prefer Christ-esteem. God made me, God saved me, God loved me, God filled me. That's where I give my value. Not in what I do, but in who he says I am. Okay, and I work from my identity, not for my identity. It's received from God, not achieved by me. It's a gift of grace, not of works, so that no one can boast. Sometimes you get a proud person and a humble person, okay? What this is, this is an abusive marriage. I win, you lose. You give, I take. I, I, was, I gave this message many years ago and I had a pastor come up to me, um, I won't say his name, but he was very convicted. And he said, he said, my wife and I, he was a very domineering, overbearing, very strong alpha personality with a very sweet wife who had a gift of service. And so she would bend and flex, but he was always sort of domineering and overbearing. And, and uh, he looked at his wife after I said this, and he said, is that me? She said, yeah. She asked him, can I tell you something? He said, sure. She said, how many weddings have you officiated as a pastor? He said, I don't know, hundreds. And she said, how many times have we danced at the reception? He said, zero. She said, I've been waiting decades to dance with you at a wedding reception, and you always say no. The man would get up and officiate a wedding, and then his wife would ask, could I dance with you? And for decades and hundreds of weddings, the answer was no. He said, I've never once danced with my wife at a wedding reception. I said, why? He said, ultimately, I'm just proud and selfish. I never thought what would be best for her. He went home, he apologized, he put on music, and he danced with his wife. But she had been waiting decades to dance with her husband. Oftentimes, it's not the big things, it's the little things. A a humble person with a humble person, that's a beautiful marriage. I've been doing ministry a long time. Here's what I've never seen. A head-on collision, guns pulled, lawyers on speed dial, counseling session with the humble and the humble. Never seen that. The proud and the proud. Oh, I've seen the airbag deploy in that relationship, but I've never seen total war between the humble and the humble. I've been in ministry for a long time. Here's what I've never seen. You know, our whole church split, our family fell apart, why? Those two people were so humble, they just ruined everything. I have never seen that. I've never seen that. And so what this is, is you serve me, and I serve you. You pursue me, and I pursue you. I consider you, and you consider me. We serve one another. What happens is, when you take on the posture of a servant, you're inviting the kingdom culture of the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit down And if you choose pride, which is manifest in selfishness, ultimately you are pulling the culture of hell up into your marriage. How many of you grew up into a home where at least one of your parents was proud? You didn't enjoy that environment, true? If at least one of your parents was proud, you did not enjoy the environment that you grew up in. You didn't like being there. It was was problematic for you. Well, that's because you're living with a little bit of hell on earth. Let me close with a final point. And and by saying I'm closing, it doesn't mean I am. It just means I'm supposed to. But like I already told you, we believe in grace. We're not law-based here, we're very grace-based. So um, I'll skip the inner vows are hell up and covenants are heaven down. Let me jump to the last point. Division is hell up, unity is heaven down. Just think of that for a moment. Our culture and our world and our nation right now, united or divided? Divided. It's divided. You know what? We're experiencing hell. Right now, living in our world is a little foretaste of hell, okay? Let me say this. For those of you who are Christians, this is as, hell, as close to hell as you will ever be. And that ultimately, heaven awaits you. Scribes were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub. Is the guy playing the keyboard now? Where's the keyboard guy? You can do that as long as you want. Doesn't bother me at all, okay. Uh, it's fine. I love the keys. You just may wanna stretch. You're gonna get carpal tunnel. You're gonna get a cramp. This is gonna be a while. Okay. The scribes were saying, that, that's the very kind way of saying you're done. Okay? And I'm not. Okay, so. Uh, the scribes were saying. Well, it's like, see, the key when you bring in a guest is to make the senior pastor look great. That's the key. So now you're like, we really like Pastor John. He's not like this guy. <laughs> he finishes on time. Okay, so scribes were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub. They looked at Jesus and here's what they thought. He's the demonic one. Because if you're living hell up, you think that heaven down is wrong. They go on, and by the prince of demons, he cast out demons and he called to them and he said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? the whole context of spiritual warfare. If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. Today, we would call that America, okay? The kingdom that is divided cannot stand. Today, we call that America. And everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. That ultimately, what this world needs is not our politician to win, but our Lord to return. That's what this world needs. And if a house is divided against itself, notice immediately he went to your marriage and family. Where does spiritual warfare begin? It begins, my friend, at your house. So we do have some problems in our kingdom or nation, but the biggest problems we have are in our families and marriages. you may not be able to win the war for America, but you can win the war for your family and your marriage. And you're not gonna stand before God and give an account for America, but you will stand before God and give an account for your marriage and family. So he says, a house divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Some of you grew up in that house. Mom and dad were divided and eventually everything collapsed. And if Satan rises up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. Here's what happened. Jesus says that heaven is the Father's house. And what we looked at in Revelation 12, seven through nine last night was that Satan attacked the Father's house. And what he did, he divided the Father's family in the unseen realm. Some of those angels and divine beings sided with the Father and others, they sided with the father of lies. And as a result, God's family was divided. And then what happened is we saw with Adam and Eve that Satan took that fight to Adam and Eve's family, and he sought to divide Adam and Eve, and he did so successfully. And now he has come to your house, and he wants your house to be divided. That ultimately unity is heaven down, division is hell up. Division literally means two visions. What this means is that the two of you do not agree, ultimately Satan will come in and he will cause division and cause your marriage and family to fall. Here's what I'm telling you, friend. Here's the big idea. Your relationship is more important than your issue. Some of you like, we have a sex problem. Your relationship is more important than your sex. We have a money problem. Your relationship is more important than your money. Whatever problem you have, the relationship is more important than the issue. And if you will strengthen the relationship, you can work on the issue, because ultimately, God wants you to have one vision, not division. But the key to all of this is living kingdom down and not hell up. And ultimately, when we live kingdom down, what we're asking is, God, what is your vision for our marriage? You may not have the spouse that you want, but you may have the spouse that God wants for you. You may not have the sex life you want, but you may have the sex life that God has chosen for you. You may not have the income that you want, but you may have the income that God has chosen for you. When Jesus prays, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he is surrendering and submitting to the Father's vision for his life, and that allows there to be no opportunity for division between him and the Father. The key for you as a married couple is to seek and to walk in God's vision for your life, your marriage, and your family. For Grace and I, this means practically coming under the authority of God's word, seeking wise counsel, praying through everything, discussing things, and giving one another time to come into agreement that ultimately, if you will walk in unity, you will unlock God's anointing. If you will walk in forgiveness, you will unleash God's anointing and blessing. And if you will serve humbly, you will unlock and unleash God's anointing and blessing. For the people who practice these things, these are acts of spiritual war. And my question to you would be, where is Satan trying to cause division right now in your marriage, family, or relationship? And whatever is happening, you need to work toward unity and fight against division, because if there is unity under God's vision, you will experience God's provision. God's provision is only for God's vision. God's provision is never for division. I want you to hold hands. And if you don't wanna hold hands, you need to hold both hands. And if you're single, hold the other hand up, waiting for God to put a spouse's hand in it. And Father God, we pray against the spirit of division. We pray against that hell up culture that is dominating our world. And we invite that heaven down culture that alone can heal our broken world. God, I pray for these dear couples to seek unity, to fight against division, to come under your vision and receive your provision to live kingdom down. Lord God, I pray against the enemy of servants, their works and effects. I pray against the moments and opportunities when they just want us to nurse a grudge or a hurt or a disappointment or a failure so that it becomes a seed of bitterness. God, we pray against those opportunities that we have to be proud and to consider ourselves rather than to be humble and to consider the other. And God, I pray against this spirit of division Lord Jesus, I thank you that you and the Father and the Spirit are one. And I thank you that you pray for our unity, that we would be one as you are one. And God, I pray for these dear saints that they would know that their relationship with you and one another, it's more important than their issues. And God, I pray that we would forgive one another. I pray that we would serve one another. I pray that we would consider one another. And I pray ultimately that you would have your kingdom come and your will be done in our marriage, that you would have your kingdom come and your will be done with our children. That you would have your kingdom come and your will be done with our family. That you would have your kingdom come and your will be done with our grandchildren and legacy. And God, we pray against all of the demonic forces and opportunities and temptations that want us to pull hell up every day. And God, we ask for the opportunity and the grace and the spirit to, in those moments, invite the kingdom down so that we could win the war for our marriage and legacy. In Jesus' good name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Real Marriage Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a five-star review. We love to hear how this podcast encourages and helps you.